0: In Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, we see the children of Israel journeying through the wilderness outside of Egypt. 600,000 men plus women, children, and people that they had picked up in Egypt. Horses, cattle, sheep, oxen, all their animals were with them. It must have been an incredible sight to see more than a million people walking through the wilderness outside of Egypt, not knowing where they were going. God led them by cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When the clouds stopped, they stopped. When the pillar of fire stopped, they stopped. Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. This is over a million people plus livestock. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. As Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses, complained against Moses, and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us, and our children, and our cattle, with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do to these people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Egypt. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? God told Moses to do this, striking of the rock, producing water in front of the elders of Israel. They would be witnesses as to how this water came about. And they would witness, hopefully, that it came by the instruction of God to Moses, showing God was the one who produced the water, but Moses was the one appointed to do the work to lead them through the wilderness. They had been complaining since, I believe it was the third day after they walked through the Red Sea, that they were complaining about Moses. And God heard their complaints. God had appointed Moses to do this work, and they complained about him all the way through the wilderness if things didn't go exactly the way they thought things should go. They complained to Moses, and they complained about Moses. Yet, they were led by that pillar of cloud and pillar of fire, and they knew that wasn't Moses causing that. But they saw Moses as the one who was leading them through that wilderness. It should have been visible to them That God was doing this. Ministers of God are chosen by God. They're called from heaven by Jesus. We have the example of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, verse 8. Wherefore he, Jesus, saith, When he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He gave ministers to the church after he got into heaven. Verse 11. And he, Jesus, from heaven, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave some apostles, not one, some, some prophets. Churches today often say there are no apostles, or prophets. I don't understand how they explain Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8, 11, and 12. For this shows us from heaven, Jesus gave the ministry offices. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Paul was one of those that was given after the crucifixion of Christ. Paul was given to be an apostle teacher from a call of God on his life from heaven Jesus spoke to him. From heaven today, Jesus speaks to us and teaches us what we are to do and how we are to do it when we are called to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Acts 26. Paul tells his story to King Agrippa. Verse. 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee. Touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Verse 4 My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning if they would testify that after the most straitest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Verse 9 Verily I thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I did also in Jerusalem, and many. Of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. Shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard. For thee to kick against the pricks. The voice called Saul, who was later Paul. He didn't call all the others with Saul. He called specifically Saul. Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? It is hard For thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 15. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Verse 16. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee, for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of those things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Verse 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I will give my own testimony. On the night of January 10th, 1975, I was in my bed and was reading a book about sin when God spoke these words to me. Joan Notice he called me by name. Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. I gasp. Sins? I thought they were mistakes. I had been baptized when I was 15, but not born again. With this word, I was born again. My life changed completely. There was no change at all when I was 15 and baptized in water. I simply pursued my own desires and my own ambitions. Now I was completely changed. 2 Corinthians Five seventeen, if any one be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are then made new. I was instantly born again. A few nights after that, I was transported into heaven while sleeping. I was. With God, I was with Christ, I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no physical images. It was a spiritual experience. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. This exact same thing happened to me again a second time a few nights later. If you want a biblical reference of such an experience, see 2 Corinthians 12 verses 1 through 4. I thought everyone who was born again had this experience. But later I found out that was not so. I believe I was at that time ordained into the two ministry offices for the church to which I am called apostle and prophet. Apostle has an anointing to deal with Scripture, to turn people back to Scripture. Prophets often bring correction from God to individuals and ministers when they have gone off from the scriptures and set up other thinking. For the next five years, God taught me, leading me through both the Old Testament and New Testament. I knew by then I had been called to be in the ministry. And though I knew what I was called to do, the type of work, because God has shown me by the scriptures what I would be doing, I didn't know where I was to do these things in the church. I owned a business in Dallas, Texas, In 1979, July 31st, closed that business. A prophet from the church I was attending came and gave me a message at one point in July of 1979. He said, Joan, you know you're supposed to be a minister. You're dragging your feet. So I sent out a card to all my customers telling them I was going into the ministry, the business would be closed on July 31st and allowed them to buy merchandise at 10% off. I'd never had a sale in my business. If anyone came to me asking me to lower the price of an item, I simply said, Would you go to Mr. Marcus at Neiman Marcus and ask him to lower the price? I never had a sale. So this was very unusual for them to be able to buy anything at my shop for 10% off. I had gone to Fort Worth the day of the sale to hear my best friend give a piano recital. When I got home, one of my workers, Flo, called me. She said, Joan, I'm calling you to warn you. There is nothing left in the shop. They bought it all. And I said, You mean today they bought it all? She said, Yes. She said, It's going to look s- totally stripped. We have almost nothing left in the shop. So my business closed July. 31st 1979 and I went home to my apartment. I had nowhere to go in the ministry. I knew the offices I was called to. I knew what to do in those offices. I did not apply for work in any church. I just sat still and kept reading the Bible during those six months. It was six months and I had absolutely no sign of work. A job opened at Christ for the Nations in Dallas for Dean of Women. I might have gotten that job, I did not apply. But I might have gotten that job. Had I applied, I had a doctor of education degree. But that was not the kind of work God showed me that I was going to do. I was going to do the work of an apostle and prophet. Apostles deal with scripture, trying to turn the church back to scripture. Prophets see people going the wrong way in the church and a prophet will often be sent to an individual to bring correction to turn them to the way of God. I knew that's what I was supposed to do. How could I take a job as dean of women? I was living on the money that I had made from the merchandise when we had the sale. Everything sold, and... I had that money to live on. There was no pressure. But I just waited for God to show me what to do. And it was from July 31st to January 10th. January 10th, 1980. I was asleep in the night when a very loud, trumpet-like, Voice spoke three words into my ear Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed, wrote KWJS on a notepad beside my bed. I didn't want to get those letters mixed up. They sounded to me like call letters for radio or television. So I began talking to God. Are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. I'm a writer, not a speaker. I remembered Moses explaining to God why he couldn't do what he was told to do. And I heard, call the radio station manager. When the station opened that morning, I called immediately and asked to speak to the station manager. He came on the phone immediately. I said to him, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? And he said, make an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long. Send it to me. If you fit our broadcasting, we will offer you a contract. As soon as I finished talking to him, I got my kitchen clock timer, set it for 29 and a half minutes, got my tape recorder, and began making an audition tape. I just said, This is Dr. Joan Boney speaking. And I started talking. I had never heard a religious-type radio program. I'd never heard a religious radio station. As soon as I got off the phone and had the tape recorded, I packaged it, took it that moment to the post office that same day, and mailed it to the radio station manager. Within five days, I was broadcasting exhortations on radio for the church on KWJS in Dallas and Fort Worth. Within a year, I was on radio across the United States from the New York City area, which included Hartford, as I had heard in that statement made by the angel of the lord on january 10th i was on from the new york city area all the way across to seattle los angeles back to phoenix dallas fort worth oklahoma city houston the middle section of the united states saint paul minnesota also detroit and Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. So it was basically all the way across the United States, according to the speaking of that angel who spoke to me, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. God puts his ministers in the ministry, in the church today. There are many who put themselves in the ministry without being called by God. There is a scripture where they talked about Jesus being a minister. And no one takes this honor unto himself. I don't mean it as an honor for myself, but considering Jesus being a priest forever. An honor to Jesus. I simply did what I was told by God to do. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today. At the end of the podcast, we are playing Tchaikovsky's Variations on a Rococo theme. The first time I ever heard this was in Upper New York State at Meadow School of Music, Mr. Ivan Lomian famous school of music, I had gone there with my teacher Marjorie Fulton and her son cellist Lynn Harrell. It's the first time I ever heard it, Lynn played it. It was the most beautiful cello playing I'd ever heard. It was just so delicate. Lynn was wonderful on Rococo Variations. I tried to find a recording of this recorded by Lynn. He's done a lot of recordings, but uh, it's not on the classical music website that I have. but I found a recording by Leonard Rose. Leonard Rose was a great cellist, in fact, after Lynn uh, he was thirteen at the time I heard him play it after. We came home, Marjorie and I came back to Texas. Lynn stayed and went to Curtis Institute, where Leonard Rose was cello teacher. And he studied with Leonard Rose. Lynn also went to Juilliard at 13. One day I was at my lesson with Marjorie, and she said, Lynn has disappeared. I said, what do you mean Lynn has disappeared? She said, they don't know where he is. We left him off at Juilliard in New York City. They have a sort of a dormitory thing where they put their younger students. And he just was gone. Marjorie didn't seem particularly concerned about it. Next time I had a lesson, I said, Marjorie, did you ever find Lynn? She said, oh, yeah, we did find Lynn. And he's in Puerto Rico with Casals, the cellist. Casals came through town and heard Lynn play and took him with him. She wasn't at all troubled. Anyway, this Leonard Rose cellist has a wonderful cello tone. Uh, Jacqueline Dupre is another wonderful cellist, reminds me of this. But Leonard Rose was a great cellist, and George Sell was one of the greatest of all the conductors. He had the Cleveland Symphony, and I have most of the recordings of George Sell. It's the New York Philharmonic, 1952. Leonard Rose cello, George Sell conductor, a New York Philharmonic, 1952. Fifty-two Variation on a Rococo Theme by Tchaikovsky.